This is the Huddle Up Podcast with J.P. Shadrick, Bucky Brooks, and John Osher. Welcome to the new era. The Huddle Up Podcast starts right now. Welcome into the Huddle Up Podcast. Today is Wednesday, June 16th. J.P. Shadrick, John Osher, and Bucky Brooks. The week of Bucky continues, and the off-season program is complete. Bucky, you're still here. Hello. Hey man, what's going on? Look, look, it's it's a it's a big time for me. I, I'm coming in, and I think Trevor Lawrence waved at me on the way out. I, I actually got a chance to get close enough to to see him. Mm-hmm. He's with Sidney Jones in the car. Okay. Oh, he waved. Hey, Buck. He said, "Wave." All right. You didn't flag him down and do an interview no, or any of that I feel, stuff. I feel big time. You got to even recognize anything. He's like the mayor of the town. Well, already. I mean, the red carpet is still out apparently for Bucky Brooks here. All right. right. If the quarterback's see, waving at you, you that's pretty good. Love it. And it, it's a smart move, introducing Bucky last, because we found out during the break he likes that. That's true. So it, yeah, it's, we, it's before a, we started recording today, we had this basketball conversation. Yeah. And your question was, you know, when you uh, want to foreshadowed be what happened to the intro- yeah. introduction. You want to, you, how you want to be introduced. You want to do all and you that. were last. You were the star. Yeah, you want to be, you want I, to be when last. I played basketball, was just happy to be introduced. Yeah, right. So just hoping to still be introduced. <laughs> yeah, because if you're not, <laughs> really? you're uh, well, sitting on the bench. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the fun part of it, right? Fun part is to be last, dap everybody up before you go. I don't know, Archie, if you go over and. Oh, did you throw the powder in the air like LeBron? Do all that stuff? <laughs> I would have. I would have. I would have. <laughs> of course. I would have. The, 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 the 18 to 28 year old me would be all about that. Now I'm the crusty old man. I'll be like, "Come on, man, let's go. Let's, start <laughs> well, let's just play. <laughs> play put the ball down. Get the ball to the ref. What like, are we doing? That. Yeah, he's doing it. For but the I like gram. that. I like that. I like that. Like I, I don't mind a little. I don't mind a little showtime every now and then. As long as you can back it up. That's right. You better be able to play. That's for and sure. And can. Remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network on Apple iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you download your podcasts, and give us that five star rating and a comment. Let's start with the quarterback's performance this week. We were out there Monday and Tuesday, but especially Tuesday, the final Mm. day of work. There was a period where they were playing in the red zone or right around the the edge of the fringe there, the red zone, where I think it was three throws in a row or three out of five, somewhere in that ballpark that were just beautiful. Different type of throws, all on the money, and it reminded you – why Trevor Lawrence is who he is, Bucky. Well, yeah, because he's enrolled in a quarterback competition evidently. Apparently because, so. Because he hasn't been named the starter yet. So yeah. Trevor Lawrence has to make sure that when he follows Garner Minshew, who had a successful drive prior to that. Yeah, I must say, John foreshadowed the competition with a little commentary on the practice. Field Calling it a competition. He called it a competition yeah. because Garner Minshew led the team, the offense down the field. He he'd even caught a little halfback throwback pass and threw a little dime for a touchdown. So Trevor Lawrence has all this pressure, and then Trevor said, oh, hold on. <laughs> this is why I'm number one. Do you think that <laughs> entered his mind one. at all? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think sometimes you got to issue reminders just to let him know because you just don't know what um, the guy previously known as the mullet man sure. had been doing. He came back with a little confidence and bravado, kind of hustled off the field. Maybe Trevor was like, hold on, let me let me quill this down a little bit. Let me I mean, show you. He Trevor obviously <laughs> knows at some point he's going to be the guy. But right. I do kind of wonder if I'm sure the competitive juices flowed a little bit. I think so. Trevor after that. I mean, it, sure. it looked like there was adrenaline. I worry about making too much of it, but I thought that that Tuesday performance was the first time that we had really seen JP, him, 
look like mm-hmm. the part. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't particularly worried that we hadn't looked like it or or that we hadn't seen it. But it gave you a tremendous feeling of, oh, okay, this yes. mm-hmm, is, this is what it. we've been talking about. We've been talking about it. Yes. And I've been asking Bucky, is he can't miss? And we've had all these conversations. But until you actually see it in the NFL, you don't really know. And, and, and it was that, cool to see. Part of that, too, is we've only been out one practice a week. And we've been told other practices have looked close to that. But we, ha- we haven't physically seen that with our own two eyes yet until Tuesday. But I wonder if maybe, and, and again, I hesitate to make too much out of it, but there's moments where all of a sudden things start to click for a guy. Mm-hmm. And you know, usually you're talking about it in a guy's second year. You know, it's mm-hmm. But... He looked really comfortable during those moments, and he hadn't looked like that in the five leading up to that. So you just wonder if that was uh, where he was starting to get what they were talking about, starting to see it quicker, and just said, "Okay, I'm going to fling it." I think the I'm hamstring, be me. the hamstrings feeling fine too. It, it, oh like, yeah, it seems like I think a couple of things took place. One, the energy of the practice was outstanding. It was a competitive period. Uh, I think you felt the defense kind of barking a little bit. The mm-hmm. offense was getting it going. We saw DJ Chark catch couple touchdowns and kind of get animated. I think that's contagious. And we can talk about Garner Minshew and whether he may see him as a credible threat or not. But when guys start making plays, it, it does become a little contagious, a little infection. And you it's want to cool that he responds to that yeah, and, and produces in that situation. Some guys respond to it and they throw a pick six. Yeah. And so, <laughs> right. And he's so, throwing bullets in traffic. Yeah, he's, he's dropping dimes. And that I don't care. That throw down the seam on the slot fade. Yeah. Uh, where the slot is on the inside and he kind of widens out and the DB is hanging right in his hip pocket and he throws it right off his ear. He threw it through his back. I mean, I mean that that is, is an unbelievable throw. And I don't know if like Dorsett just didn't see it to the last second or played Lay it hands. up well enough yeah, or I mean, whatever, but it worked out. And, and what happens is, you talk about us being odd, but what happens from a player standpoint, guys on the team begin to recognize and they start kind of Doing a little elbow thing, like, hey, man, you see? They start walking off after <laughs> yeah. practice, and the kid's walking seven or eight feet in front of them, and, and they're going, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> they, they, they start doing that because, because even though he comes in as the number one, number one overall, the one thing that he has to do is players, game recognizes game. Big-time players begin to recognize when other guys have special qualities, and we've heard it because uh, Griffin talked about it, some other players talked about the way the ball spins. But then when they begin to see it happen in competitive periods, that's what you have. And really, the definition of a quarterback, a franchise quarterback is, does he give you hope? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like if we're in a game, if we can just get a stop and give the ball back to Trevor, we have a chance? He's beginning to kind of build that that trust with his teammates mm-hmm. where you have that. And when that happens, that's when, when good things begin to happen. And what was impressive as well, you mentioned the one down the seam. He had another within a pass or two of that coming toward us uh, right side of the end zone mm-hmm. oh, that, back right corner. Corner. Yeah. that was a perfect pass thrown only where the uh, receiver could get it. The DB didn't have time to turn. It was accuracy, timing, feel for the route. There was another one that it got dropped on that side, yeah. I think. And then there was Similar. another one earlier yeah. to the left. You're talking about time, play after play, where there's throws being made that he's not thinking about. He's reading it, throwing, and it's happening in real time. It's it's June. But there was a feeling that he was seeing it and that those moments in practice 
had slowed down enough that he could just play. And that was <laughs> JP. We've seen not that. Before. <laughs> so it was cool to see that. Yeah, because we see we heard about all the five interception day for Tua down in Miami. Yeah. We've seen yeah. days similar to that here on this yeah. practice. So you hate to get too yeah. excited, but uh, you know, Urban Meyer likes to talk about knowing what it looks like. That's what it looks like. That's what it's supposed to look like. So what's funny is coming off of that, um, at the end of the day, when Darrell Belbo was talking uh, to me, and he was talking about like the quarterbacks and uh, having a plan for all three quarterbacks and throwing a bunch at them and then paring it down. We'll see the, the light go off for Trevor when they get to the point where they quit adding and then they allow him to play. And how soon we get to that point, um, I don't know. But when we get to that point where they're a – Let's not install anymore. Let's just let him play mm-hmm. and let his talent shine through. That's when we'll see the Trevor Lawrence that we saw at Clemson. And so it's that fine line between how much volume do we need to be successful versus how much is just enough to allow him to play fast. Because when he plays fast and free, that's when we'll see the talent. You just don't want him to, to, to bog him down with a lot of thinking. Yeah, and, JP, I think that, that when Bucky was saying that, and I, I'm not – the guy who's going to sit here and just dump on what was here before. But there hasn't been a guy at that position where you heard that phrasing, let's let him go be special. Let's let his arm talent make a difference. 32 quarterbacks in the league, I don't know how many there are where you're saying, let's let the arm talent make the difference. He can go win a game based on what he can do with his arm. Uh, Even good quarterbacks maybe don't have that. And you know, that's yeah. that's exciting. It really is. We've always heard about, oh, you know, he's not a natural thrower of the football, or he's got to go to a throwing coach in the off season <laughs> and learn all these things. And then that doesn't feel like this is the case at all for sixteen. No, we categorize them. They're, they're two kinds of quarterbacks: they're trucks and trailers. Either they're trucks where they're carrying the team, or they're trailers where the team is carrying them. For too long in Jacksonville, we've had trailers at quarterback. The team has to be right. Everything has to mm-hmm. go perfectly. Got to have the running game. Defense has to be able to get stops, this and that. Oh, and then the quarterback may be able to make a play or two. In a perfect world, you want a quarterback that's a truck. He can carry the team. Everything is awful, but you give it to 16, and 16 finds a way to make enough plays for the team to be in the game. If you get a truck, that's when that's, that's when it happens. I'll use this analogy, JP. Yeah. In, in Indy. I remember asking uh, Tony Dungy about the running game one year. And Tony, as the head coach, was very conscious of, you know, big picture, uh, say the right thing. And his point to me was, look, as long as we're 16th or 17th in the run, as long as they think we're going to run, it's fine. But if we're running too much, we're taking the ball out of the hands of the guy. Yeah. Well, that's never really been the case. You know, it's never really been a case where you're like, we want to make sure. In Indy, they wanted to make sure – that that passing offense had enough opportunities to go win the game because they felt like if the ball's in his hands 35 times, there's going to be five plays that are really great, and that's enough to win the game. That feels like what Bucky's talking, you know, a truck. Well, that's what that means. It's Look, let's not worry about making sure we run 25 times. Let's make sure this kid has enough opportunities to go in the game for us. Sure. And, uh, you know, I, I know there's a quarterback competition and all that going on, <laughs> but I think there's a, a Huddle Up podcast consensus of who's leading and who might win that thing at the end of the day. Well, it's just fun. To, I mean, it's 
The fans who are listening to this want to hear about Trevor, and the overwhelming feeling I had was those last two days were the first glimpse of of, of the possibility mm-hmm. that we've seen here. We all saw it in college, but that was the first time. And I think a lot of it had to do with Bucky Brooks being here, Jacob. Yeah, that's a big, yeah, I mean, you yeah, no, it's big time. It's big time. So I, I don't think you can discount that. Quarterbacks waving at him in the parking lot. Thanks, yeah. Buck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there he goes. No, but look, it, it, it is that, and you always hear this when it comes to quarterbacks, uh, young guys in particular. You want to see them play the first year um, because there's some people that say, like, quarterbacks are like, like baseball stadiums, baseball teams. Like, you want to kind of see how you have to play within the stadium before you fill it out figure out the pieces of the puzzle or whatever. So when we see Trevor play and we see him throw it or whatever, year two then is, okay, what kind of weapons do we need Mm -hmm. to best complement how he plays? Do we need more speed receivers, more this, or do we change the way that we have our offensive line? I just think you have to be excited because one thing that is real, he is a real dude. And maybe for the first time, I don't know, maybe in franchise history, that we've had a legitimate dude, like like a legitimate guy. Like a QB1 that is a real QB1. Put that hammer down on the truck and let's go. Let's get ahead <laughs> here. This is the Huddle Up Podcast. Single game tickets for 2021 are on sale now. Visit Jaguars.com or call 904-633-2000. And there's a team of representatives ready to help you get back in the bank in 2021. Speaking of those weapons, let's talk through some of those guys mm-hmm. that we've seen that are available. And let's start with DJ Chark. Now, we heard Urban Meyer a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago now, discuss uh, DJ's weight room gains in the offseason. He said he gained about seven pounds of muscle. I talked to Anthony Schlegel today, which is quite a conversation, by the way, that you'll hear on Jaguars Happy Hour Thursday night. Uh, he said it's you know seven to nine pounds of muscle, and he's much faster. And there were moments, and you mentioned his name earlier, Bucky, yesterday, or on uh, Tuesday, yeah, yesterday, that Chark just kind of took over things in that uh, in that wide receiver position. If that's the DJ Chark we see in training camp and beyond, that's great news for Trevor in the offense or whoever the quarterback is. Yeah, I mean it's great. It's great news if DJ Chark uh, from a couple years ago shows up. Uh, as we're looking at this wide receiver core and, and trying to determine who is the number one, um, is DJ Chark? truly capable of being a real number one in that sense, meaning he can anchor the passing game, he can command double teams and defeat double teams with his talent. He is the guy that we kind of set it around, and then everyone else kind of feeds off of the way the defense reacts to him. The size thing is big. Urban has talked about being bigger, faster, stronger. We see a bigger, thicker version. He has been challenged. Urban has challenged him to kind of step up and take his game up to another level. I think Marvin Jones coming over also helps DJ because Marvin Jones is one of the best route runners that you'll see. And so if you're a guy and you're seeing that every day and seeing the artistry that Marvin Jones puts out, you begin to add some of those things into your repertoire. So I think it's a good thing. I think he certainly looked good. looked like he was back on track. Now it's about putting the pieces of the puzzle together where you get him and Marvin Jones and LaVisca and whoever else can kind of compliment those guys in the passing game. And then you got DJ chirping after touchdown catches. I mean, he's chirping and talking. Excited. Yeah. I, mean, I think of, he can be a one. I feel like there was a little bit of a rush among observers to give him that title after 2018. 18? Yeah. Or people 19. wanted to pay him 19. early 19. and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what was always impressive to me in that 2019 year, there were moments where he would – take the ball on a cross, mm-hmm. 
and just kill that route. And he would catch the pass in full stride. He would snatch it, hands out, and play really fast across the middle, which is hard to do sometimes for guys. And to me, it was, it was on that route that he looked Julio Jones-ish, where looked capable of dominating a game, looked capable of mm-hmm. making plays where you went, wow, how's, how's the defense going to stop this guy? He also had some moments athletically that he did that that year. And I think Bucky alluded to it, and, and we talked about it on this podcast earlier. My question is, when, when defenses now know that he's the guy, mm-hmm. will he be able to produce the occasional 100-yard game, we can't stop this guy moment? No receiver can always do that. It's not realistic in this day and age. But can he get to that point where defenses have to do things a certain way? It seems like he can. But I think that's the main storyline around him this year. I think it'll define how he gets paid, and it'll define how he's perceived as a receiver over the next four or five years in the prime of his career. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a big deal. So we talk about bigger, faster, stronger. 6'4", 198. We came out 4'3", is the time that he has down uh, officially. Uh, that big year, he had over 1,000 yards. Consistently throughout his career, he's averaged about 13.5, which is solid, solid production for a number one. I think the big thing that we have to see from him is not only can he consistently get open. You talked about um, the ability to use a speed receiver like Chark. You can use him on vertical routes, mm-hmm. but also those crossers and deep diagonals. Because Brian Schottenheimer is coming from Seattle, can they use him like Seattle used a DK Metcalf, who is a vertical playmaker, a Tyler Lockett. Can they do enough of the running game to create those explosive plays in the passing game? Because I would tell you, 13-5 is fine, but it's not, hey, man, he's, he's a big-time threat. We need to make sure we it monitor. It shows you you're not getting that 50-yarder right. in a couple I, I, games. Yeah. I would like to see him push it up to 15. If he can get it to 15, 15-5, because that's, that's Julio range. That means you're delivering enough. 20-plus, 40-plus yard pass plays where now you're taking the top off the defense, they're having to back up, and now you have all the underneath stuff. It was nice to see Travis Etienne making some plays on Tuesday, and we've always heard about – He can take a handoff, JP. Even without (laughs) the work in minicamp taking handoffs, he Mm. can do it. It's it's amazing – He can take the ball from the quarterback. That he learned how to ride the bike again as a running back. Yes, Mm. it's it's incredible. (laughs) (laughs) But – he was making some catches out wide as well, and that was the promise from Urban Meyer. We're going to use him as a weapon all over, and it feels like that looked like that on Tuesday at least. Yeah, it's something that I've learned down here since being around you guys. I think you guys call it, what, the airback? Airback. Is that the airback. I'd never heard that term before, but that's something new that I'll put in my scouting jargon like I'm learning down here. The You've airback. never heard that before? Absolutely not. I've never heard air, airback. I hadn't heard airback. I, no, I heard H-back. Airback. So air, like you you know. you're in air, right? Air, I guess. No. No, I, I, I don't know. But airback. So he's an airback. So I think the great <laughs> the great thing was being able to see at the end because I look at during rookie minicamp I had to text JP like what what's this stuff I'm I'm hearing about him playing wide receiver and all of that. I I'll be honest with you, I didn't know if he would be a guy that could go out and play in space like a Christian McCaffrey or Alvin Kamara. However, after watching him go out wide, run slants, and run those isolated routes that you normally would see from wide receivers. Um, he, has, he has some tools that I don't know if we're fully developed and mm-hmm. tapped into at Clemson. And so when Urban talks about maximizing his talents by being able to kind of move him around and do some things in the passing game, he could be a, 
I mean, he could be a factor. He could be a difference maker because the passes that he caught, they were guys running routes. They weren't just check downs and screens. He was catching real routes. And so there's some potential and promise. I, st- I still say the guy that I'm waiting to see how they're really going to utilize, LaVisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, what is that role going to be when we get down to it? Because he should be an explosive player, a weapon in the offense, but how are they going to maximize that big body? And, and Schlegel told me uh, today that he's added a couple pounds of muscle mass and lost 2% more body fat. Mm. So think about that. He's, he was already tough and strong and big anyway, but I don't know if you call that baby fat. He was a beast to Here's begin with. Yeah. But, okay, he's only getting better and bigger and stronger. Yeah. So, it's tough to bring down. Yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering, though, because you talk about, like, okay, you put him in the slot. Is he the big slot receiver that they project to maybe play like Michael Thomas? down in New Orleans where we've seen some of those guys. Mm-hmm. An older Larry Fitzgerald that plays in Arizona that is in the slot, but they utilize his size as a blocker, so it's almost like having another tight end on the field. Or, I mean, are we getting to the point where they're beefing him up so he can tote the rock a little bit, maybe on jet sweeps and motion into the backfield? I mean, it's wide open because they now have two guys. I believe they're two guys that can kind of play that H-back role, one is Chenault, the other is Travis Etienne. But completely different versions of the H-back yes. oh, yeah. role. Absolutely. Sure. And Absolutely. strange, like the wide receiver is, is a physical guy who's going to come in and run, and then the running back <laughs> is, make is, you miss. is the speed yeah. make you miss. I don't follow every team in the league as closely as you do, Bucky, but A, I'm not sure that many teams use this H-back in the way that Urban envisions. There's some. I'm not saying it's, it's, it's solo, but... And then to have two guys, uh, I've been writing all off season. I've been mean, trying to be honest with fans. I don't really know how they're going to use them. I don't know how it's going to look, but I think that is an incredibly fascinating storyline early in training camp that could make it very interesting. And, it, and I'm not sure how to analyze it because we just don't know how it's going to be used. Yeah, it's funny. I think Urban could maybe think about using him like Curtis Samuel with the Carolina Panthers. Curtis Samuel, who um, is now with the Washington football team, but last season he had 77 receptions, um, but he also had, I don't know, he had a handful of carries. He had 41 carries Mm -hmm. for 200 yards. Can you get to the point where you begin to utilize him in that vein? Hey, primarily you're going to catch it, but we're going to give you three, four carries a game, jet sweeps, fly Mm -hmm. sweeps, because we saw some of that stuff happen the last practice where we were seeing – different guys on the perimeter. We saw Jamal Agnew take a little fly sweep around the corner. Do they have enough of that stuff in the bag to be able to really take advantage of what he brings to the table? And it seems like I've heard the star of the Move the Sticks podcast, Daniel Jeremiah, talk about this, that uh, there is uh, a shift. That that's the way the league's going. Yeah, positionless ball. Positionless ball. Yeah. It translates to defense as well, Mm -hmm. that you need guys – Another kid he's talked about is the guy who went there. Uh, oh, Isaiah, Sim- right. Isaiah Simmons. But that you're like, seeing that a little more, it seems like maybe the Jaguars are are going to suddenly be on the cutting edge of that. Well, since you're here in town and, you know, that star from the Move the Six podcast isn't here, but maybe the other guy from the Move the Six podcast <laughs> would give you a bit of a thing. Bowles High guy. School. I like that. The other guy. Bowles High School. I think you told me Bowles High School runs the wing tee. They did they for did. a long time. Long time ago. They won a bunch of championships yep. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So why don't you envision LaVisca Chenault and maybe Travis Etienne? Instead of calling them H-backs, why don't we call them wing-backs? Oh, yeah. boy. Where they're 
half running back. Oh boy, half just run the veer, baby, oh, baby, and then just let it bleed. We put, we put the ball in their hands and let them do it because we're gonna wear leather back. helmets too. What you talking I love about? Love it. Like, yes. Man, like, I mean, let's I'm just go. Saying. Old school football. Let's, let's, let's I think Bucky it, runs only veer in his. I mean, I run, <laughs> do you? I run, That's right. I run, his high school. I run, I run the double wing. I believe in that. The double wing. The double wing. Travis Ntn be a nice wing back for us. So would Lavisca Chenault. In like most places, they would be. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. we could do it. But no, in thinking about that, half running back, half wide receiver. Urban has always called it the H back, but really, old school football. That's the wing back. That's what those guys are. So now, how does he take advantage of those things? That's a lot that they have to sort through. I'm sure they'll look at the film over the course of the last couple of weeks, heading into training camp, and try and have a plan for both of those guys. But I would think if it's a good team, and you're looking at the call sheet for Bevel, there has to be two columns in there. One for get the ball to number one, get the ball to number 10. About six to eight plays. Just make sure you get them touches. Have that be a priority. Six to eight plays where these are plays where they can get the ball very easily. We talked also in practice talking about the quarterback. The quarterback last year, Trevor uh, Trevor Lawrence at Clemson, threw more bubble screens than pretty much anybody else. Another way to get those those guys the ball quickly, bubble screens, some of that stuff, RPO and, game. And he can get it out quick. Get too. it out. I mean, it's a take the snap and almost doesn't one grab motion. The, doesn't grab almost the laces. Almost like a second baseman turning a double play. Yeah, it's don't out. grab the laces. Get it out. Let the those guys never, get in space. Ball never stops moving and just goes on to first base. That's right. Bang, bang, double play. This is the Huddle Up podcast. The Dailies play schedule coming up. Brad Paisley, July 8th. Blackberry Smoke, August 10th. Lady A, August 20th. Rod Wave on the calendar now in September on the 9th. Trippy Red on September 18th. And Carlos Santana, September 21st. Tickets available at dailiesplace.com. Tedeschi Trucks both nights were fantastic, John, by the way. Friday yeah, and Saturday. I, uh, some friends of mine went, and uh, and you. I was there, <laughs> and, yes. And, and uh, uh, <laughs> I heard it was fantastic. I heard she did uh, a fantastic version of... Angel from Montgomery one night. Yes, my that's, favorite right. Songs. that's right. Fantastic. That's on some of her solo albums back in the old days, and uh, she she did a, a a version in honor of John Prine, who passed yeah. away this past year. Let's talk defense now, and you know, there's so many new faces, guys, on this defense. Uh, Bucky, I guess since you've seen this group for a couple days, what stands out about the Jaguars' defense to you? The versatility and the potential multiplicity of the defense that they're going to use. The versatility in terms of like, man, so many like-size athletes standing up on the edges. Josh Allen, I mean, Caleb Vaughn Chasen wasn't out there, but like Josh Allen, McCree, you see all of these big, long bodies in two-point stances where they can either rush the passer or they can drop in the coverage. We were obviously privy to see some of the things they're doing walkthrough with some of the blitzes and some of the simulated pressures and overload pressures and all of the smoke and mirrors things that they can do. You can see Joe Cullen and the influence that the Ravens have had on his thinking. But then it's how they're going to tap into the other weapons that Mm -hmm. they have and how much can they do with the young secondary that they have behind them because that really will determine – how aggressive they can go based on how the guys on the outside, Griffin and Henderson and Herndon and Jones and those guys, uh, Tyson Campbell, when he gets ready, how well can they hold up in either man or zone coverage because that will dictate and determine how aggressive they can really come after quarterbacks and stuff in the running game. Is this the case, football fans listen to this, 
I think all have a basic understanding of what the Ravens are. And that, to me, is this version of this defense operating at master's degree level, if you will. Is this a scheme that can be effective operating at freshman year level? You know, I'm getting at because it would be a reach to think that with a first year with a bunch of young guys that you could throw in the master's degree yet. But but can it be effective using the basic versions of it and then grow into effectiveness? You know, a lot of it depends on how how those guys on the outside, Henderson, Griffin, how those guys hold up and and what they – show that they can play really well, whether that's man, whether that's quarters coverage, because you hear Urban talk about quarters coverage and cover four, and that, in essence, is man coverage. Those guys are on the island a ton. And so how quickly can we get those guys up to speed to be able to hold up in their one-on-one matchups? And if you aren't able to hold up in one-on-one, how can you help them? How do you double-team? How do you play cloud coverage? And those things. The preseason – I would anticipate when we're watching the games, I would think we would see a very aggressive defense where they're trying to throw everything out there to put it on tape to see what they need to pare down and what what they can be really, really good at. And so I think we'll see the defense evolve from the first week of the regular season to midway through the regular season until they kind of find their ways and identity. But I do think they can can get away with some of the freshman-level stuff um, with the young guys, but it's such based on confusion. The effectiveness of defense can be based on confusion, and so and then it, that's that all comes down to. And you guys know Coach Cullen better than I do. How can he teach it and explain right. it? Can they conceptually teach it in a way where um, instead of saying, "Hey, this corner's here, that corner's there, the free safety series," no, here are the three spots. Mm-hmm. One of you guys is going to be in this spot, that spot, and this other spot. Can they can they teach it? Like that, I would like to think because Chris Ash comes from college that he's had some familiarity in teaching concepts as opposed to like responsibilities. That that might be a way to be able to get it done. It's hard to see now, but I mean we'll we'll see pretty quickly how they do it and how simple they can make it for those guys to play fast. What do you think of Tyson Campbell the other day? I think the thing about Tyson Campbell is a young guy. You're trying to trying to figure out the one thing that stands out: size, speed, and athleticism. He has all of those things. And normally what you try to do is when you accumulate a team that has great athleticism and speed, that means you make it simpler from a scheme standpoint. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do anything that takes away from that. So I don't want them thinking. I want them playing. Mm -hmm. And so can they make the scheme simple enough to do it? But I think Tyson Campbell has a chance to be a good player. I actually like the starting crew that they could put on the outside, I think it's still important for them to find who's going to be the fourth and fifth to corner and who's the safeties. Yeah. Because I don't know who to – I know we talk about Daniel It'll Thomas. Rayshon Jenkins, and, right? And Cisco. Dan- Cisco. But is coming off an injury, though. So how long – If he's ready. ready. I think he's – It's ready. not going to be long until he plays. Okay. Starts. I mean – Okay. Uh, I mean, I, look, he, yeah. he's a ball hawk. He's terrific in terms of getting his hands on the ball. But Daniel just trying Thomas, to figure out – you mentioned him. He's around. Yeah. yeah. So those guys – that yeah. the, the secondary unit is going to be has to be better than it was last year. Well, because Urban said anytime he's talked about it, he's made no mistake. They want to play man and and they want to play three guys pressing the ball. So Ooh. that's why they drafted Campbell. Go. Turn up the heat, baby. So, yeah, just, not all the time. I mean, you can't be ridiculous about it. But, no, but, <laughs> but, but okay. Yeah, there we go. So yeah. you answered my question. No, it ain't going to be any soft 
soft, slow zones, and we're going to slow them down and keep the ball well, in the front. Well, that's what he said. And he all of that. Well, he said it, yeah. When they drafted Campbell, that was yeah. the reason, that they wanted three guys who could all, you know. Hold up on their own, really. They would all cover and oh, just cover, is, man, just like Bucky could. No. Uh, yeah. Help. Help with the safety yeah. Always. That's why you always, John, that's why you always see me looking around. Hey, wait, what? where's my helper at? Hey, you still going to be there, right? Let's Let's get it. But this means that he is at least at the beginning – He's going to try to do some of the stuff that they did at Ohio State because the reason why Ohio State was so successful for so long, they went nose-to-nose and locked it up, and that's why mm-hmm. they produced so many NFL corners because everyone was on that island. And so it might be a bit of a cat defense in the back end. I got that cat. You got that cat. Let's go play. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that one. Cat you know, defense? We're, see, we're like we're throwing to air Cats back. Cats can cover that air back. <laughs> <laughs> That's the key. If you're going to be a cat, you have to be able to pick up the air back out of the backfield. You better be spry. Uh, Remember to subscribe to the official Jaguars Podcast Network on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us that five-star treatment and a comment. And, Bucky, I will say it has been a pleasure to see you in person this week here in Jacksonville, man, and have you on all these shows. Yeah, no, it's been been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of fun to come back down. You guys are hilarious in person, like even (laughs) even better than over uh, Zoom and when I'm in the car. No, y'all are are funny. Like like the wit, the banner is great. And I'm having to do it without being distracted and looking at what's going on on the 405 and all that. Like I'm able to actually watch you and not, you know, drive and duck and dodge like I've done sometimes on the pod. That sounds like. In the last couple of days, I've had multiple people who I've met who have met me before say, have you lost weight? <laughs> Which is great, except that it means that on the air I feel like a fat sloth. So I'm thankful, but yeah. I'm a little self-conscious about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 been a ton, it's been a ton of fun. I, I can't wait to come back down and train a camera and see what, see what the bells and whistles look like. I, I can't wait to see this quarterback competition that John was talking about I on know, the sideline. It's going to heat up. See, see how it's, see how it's going to play out. Big competition. Um, man, I can't believe we got to a podcast. We're not even going to talk about the guy? Who? We're not going to talk about Tebow? Go for it. Oh, What'd I you th- like? I thought the story was mandatory that we always have to talk he about. He made a couple catches, right? He, he did. He made a couple catches. He hadn't blocked anybody yet. Oh, come on, man. His wrists are hurting. Oh, he's got those pads on. he got those little pads right. on his wrist. Yeah. You notice that? Yeah. Oh, Both the gloves, he's got these wrist pad things. got these wrist pad things because he's been hitting the pads so okay. much that so he has, to str- he has to strengthen his wrists over the next six weeks. So we get ready for training camp because uh, he's out there doing something. Yeah, he might have to get in the, the rice, the rice bucket, the rice bucket, and <laughs> twist that thing around. You still have those? <laughs> they don't, is that what I'm they do? Sure they do, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, you don't just put your iPhone in it when it's wet anymore. You put your hand down. Yeah, it's again in the ice bucket, the rice bucket. So we get them going, but. Um, It'll be a huge storyline in training camp, obviously. It hasn't really been a, outside the first couple of days. No, nah, it hasn't been. It's kind of quieted down, but that's coming. It, it'll come back. He caught a couple of passes. We saw him catch a couple of passes and do some stuff. He, you know. It'll come back, and if he can play and make the team, it'll be fine. If, if he doesn't make the team, that'll be fine, too. Oh. I mean, Urban said they still have to do some work at that position right. the other day. Oh, Yeah, I didn't he know if he meant, though. I took that to mean it could mean the guys at the position. Sure. Get continuing them, to elevate improve. them. So sure, I, yeah. Uh, some fans took it the way that they need to go out and get somebody. I'm not sure that they're as anxious to go out and get somebody as as uh, fans are. <laughs> but that's that's me. We'll find out soon enough. No, it should be fun. Bucky, uh, great to see you. Um, enjoy your summer break. 
and we'll see you back here later in the summer. It sounds like, yes, and, but no red carpet next time. No you're red just, carpet. No you're red just carpet. another guy coming in. So, time. so, so we're we're on a, we're on a break too. You guys on some? We're on, we're on summer break for a minute. Summer break. We're on a yeah, summer break. Like, yeah, something like that. Yeah, summer, summer break. Like that's what we're doing. A few yeah. weeks away. This will be the last huddle up for a little while. Yeah. Oh, so last huddle up for a little bit. Probably the week of training camp. We'll get Jeez. back on the horse again. Man, would they remember us after that long? That's a great question. I don't know. Okay. All right. We'll see. <laughs> one way to find out. <laughs> Maybe we'll come back and do another one. For John Hozier and Bucky Brooks and Joe Fortunato producing, I'm J.P. Shadrick. We'll catch you next time, about a month or so, in the Huddle Up podcast.